We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. A wide receiver who catches from the greatest quarterback to ever live. Is it Allen Robinson? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dice Tradecast, brought to you by Rotoviz Radio and our friends at MyFFPC. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Dan Senyo. Uh Dan, how's it going tonight, my friend? Well, it's kind of a weird start. I'm not used to looking at you through this software, but uh, you still look good, Nathan. You still look good. So I think, I think for me, everything's going well since you look good. Yes, I, I do look good, and that was courtesy of a $30 haircut in Virginia. Virginia haircuts are ridiculous. I'm going to fly home to Tampa back for my $20 haircut. This is obnoxious. Also, they didn't take cards, so yeah, enough about my uh, haircut problems. We are joined by a guest today, a, a friend of many years, George Criticos. Uh, how's it going tonight, George? It's good, man, and I, I did not put my video on because I got a $12 haircut. And let me tell you, it, it was an overpay for what I got. So, so I'm just going to stay in the shadows here tonight. There you go. All righty. Today we're going to talk some training camp stuff. And uh, also, I just do want to give a quick shout out. We did fill our listener league that was advertised on last week's episode. 
we do appreciate everyone who reached out and said they were interested. For those that didn't, uh, you know, get to us in time, I'm sure we'll have more stuff in the future. People have, you know, people leave leagues and things like that. But also a quick shout out to Mark in Michigan, Mark underscore in underscore MI. He did our league graphics. Obviously, you'll see him a lot on Twitter posting stuff that he does for MFL graphics. And he did an awesome job with our league and it, was, uh, it looks really good. Yeah, it's it's about as good as you can ask for. It's kind of crazy. We're already underway and it feels like we were just trying to get all this stuff set up. And now now it feels like we're already years into the, the auction. We've got one player one in the first 24 hours. So chaos is about to ensue. The name of the league ended up with uh, tight in parentheses end game because we effectively removed tight end from the starting lineups and now they're just flex players and i'm currently leading on like four of them so gotta love those tight ends there we go sounds like a good strategy uh now the texans employed a strategy called get rid of deontay foreman uh this week um you know uh they they said that they were disappointed with how he has showed up to camp maybe a lack of work ethic um other reasons being cited for his release other than your traditional just not being good at football. Some people took their victory laps based on the Achilles injury, which I think is part of the scenario as well. But George, start us off. How does the Deontay Foreman release impact the Texans' backfield? I mean, there wasn't a lot there anyway. I wasn't really excited about Foreman. I know that there's there's a few other guys that, that people are kind of interested in, but I wouldn't be surprised if they sign somebody before the season starts. I have to think between potential cuts and – you know, a few guys who are out there that, that they look in a different direction, that what they have on the staff is probably not completely what they're going to go with going into the year. Yeah, he was a, he was a guy that I actually I, – I was a fan of a little bit coming out of college, coming out of Texas. And it's one of those things where as the time went on, there was just no progress made. And we see that with some players, you know, we it's kind of the work ethic's been cited with uh, with Foreman in this case. It can be other things and on occasion, but this is the one where you know that the amount that I liked him really kind of faded quickly because he wasn't making up ground in the offense, and he got a favorable spot and just didn't take advantage of it. So uh, this is one that even though he does get the nice, the, well, the perceived nice landing spot, there's already enough bodies there where I'm guessing this is more of a feed us your Houston Texans info and if you start trying maybe we'll keep you around but with Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines and even Jordan Wilkins who's a de facto foreman if you will you know I I don't really see a way for him to to do much here unless this turns into like a revenge type thing where now all of a sudden you get his blood boiling and, and he's he's ready to work. I I don't know how he, you know, where his mind was and all of this. I don't want to speculate on that, but it just never seemed to click with him. So honestly, I'm, I'm pretty much over with it. It, it, all of the love that I did have ended pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I I have never been a big foreman guy because of the Achilles concerns, but with, as far as his dynasty value right now, I, I think it's all but done. I mean, I would take a third round pick over him every, every day of the week at this point. As far as him landing with the Colts, I do think it's a bit of a, not of non-confidence in Jordan Wilkins. I, I do think that if there's a guy who get, ends up, you know, being hurt by this, it is him. Uh, I think that, you know, Foreman might end up winning that third running back job, which doesn't, it's not going to end up being, you know, a very fruitful fantasy, you know, output behind Mack and, and Naheem Hines. But, you know, for those that were holding out hope for Wilkins, I think that, that, that that's the clear loser here. 
going to the, the Texans backfield, I, I, I've been a DeMarie Crockett fan uh, ever since, you know, his time as a college player. He had a very good uh, freshman season with 1,000 yards uh, rushing in his first year in the SEC, which is usually a positive indicator for, you know, having a good NFL career. And he did go on draft, which is definitely a negative indicator for your NFL career. But I, I think that a lack of confidence in, in Foreman, as well as what they've seen from Higdon and Crockett, is what led to their release. It's weird because, you know, with an Achilles injury, the last thing you want to hear is that he's being lazy. Yeah, I don't I don't have much hope for him with the Colts foreman, that is. I, I don't think he's going to last. I, I kind of agree with Dan that, you know, it might be more of a, you know, pump in the well for, for what they can get out of him from a, you know, opponent perspective and then just kind of move on and maybe have a body in there and, and see if you can get something in the next couple of days. I don't, I don't see too much. And, and I liked Crockett too. And Higdon was fine. I just think that there's an opportunity for them to, to probably add someone else before the season starts. I'd be surprised at that. But they kind of had their running back pretty late the last couple of years. It's too bad they uh, might signed before they cut for him. Maybe that would have been an option for them to give Miller a bit of a breather. Yeah, we'll get to uh, Riddick and the Broncos back a little bit later in the show. Uh, well, let's go. We, we just talked off from the Colts. Let's talk about the quarterback of the Colts, the more important uh, version of, of that offense, and that's Andrew Luck. Uh, he has, uh, you know, a, a slow stamp with a calf injury. Uh, obviously, fantasy Twitter kind of went in a bit of a tizzy, worrying about how the fact that the Colts have not been transparent when it comes to injuries, particularly when it comes to Andrew Luck. Uh, Dan, how worried are you about Andrew Luck's calf? I mean, not that worry, but like you just mentioned, given history, it's not—it's not super ideal to have you know a high-end QB coming into another injury after he's been injured for seemingly forever. Obviously, like you said, they completely mishandled the shoulder, and then the season kind of come into his own again last year and kind of get back on kind of where he left off. But it's just another thing he's banged up. If you need to wrap this guy in bubble wrap it, uh, as far as his long-term outlook, I, it's. People get banged up. It is what it is. This is the shoulder again, or an elbow, or a back injury, or you know something, something that has a little bit more long-term effect. Uh, I'd be more worried than with calf. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll just kind of slow roll in and get into get into the season at 100 percent and not really push it because I think they learned from the last time. Let's hope they learned from it. If they didn't ruin their needs to be fired because that was handled very poorly. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the same boat with that. I think. You know, it being a cap injury doesn't worry me as much. I think they're probably playing it safe more than anything. Just uh, hope that it doesn't get exacerbated any worse. You know, they're ahead of the preseason. He'll probably be lucky to even see the field the entire preseason. Uh, it sounds like, you know, they're saying, oh, he might not make it to week one. I think this is more precautionary than anything. Yeah, at this point, I would just consider it something to keep in the back of your mind with Andrew Lucky and the Corsi Weapons as well but not anything to let go and train sellers for, particularly in Dynasty. Let's go on to our next topic, and it's the Kansas backfield. Uh, Damian Williams is facing an injury right now, and it kind of seemed like Andy Reid was upset about him being injured. He was like, well, he's got to be out here. He wants to have a job, and the pressure on him to, to get healthy and get back from the field. George, are you worried at all about uh, Damian Williams' injury? Were you one of those that was possibly not guaranteeing Williams as RB1? No, he I mean, I, I thought he would be the, the starter going into the season. I wasn't super confident. It seems like they've kind of done whatever they can to add potential options to the backup. Really is what they've seen in the last couple of years with injuries and the suspension and everything else. And it sounds like a good 
uh, offseason right now, the rookie, and then, you know, adding Carlos Hyde and everything. But I still think he's probably the guy for the time being. I'm guessing that, uh, you know, it's more coach speak than anything. I'm not, I'm not freaking out. I'm not making any changes to dynasty rankings or, or you know, pushing any shares of him off my team. Yeah, if there was something legitimate behind him, I'd I'd be a little bit more concerned because obviously you don't want the guy that was handed the job. You know, they've got the GM and the coaches kind of back and say this is his job to lose. And, you know, Donald Thompson's fine. I, I think he's better as a dictative pace type guy or secondary option rather than a true um, a true lead back. I still think they'll work in some form of committee backfield. Assuming you know whether or not Williams or not, I still think he leads. But I, I think they get the other guys involved just a little bit, to try to keep them fresh because they're based on their calendar for the playoffs and and just trying to get everyone there in one piece. So I think if it if they have to lean on a couple of other guys in there, I think they'll do it. But I'm not worried about Carlos Hyde or Darwin Thompson taking Damian Williams reps. I, I'm I'm more concerned about whether or not he's going to be ready for Week One and and able to get the the full deal out of out of the Kansas City backfield and the Andy Reid offense that we know is going to be a big producer because it always has been, regardless of who's back there. The, the points come in, in bunches. So hopefully he's just ready to go and, and we don't have to deal uh, with another carousel. Yeah, I've been continuing to lean on the fact that I think that this does end up being more of a committee backfield. I don't think that Williams has that RB1 job locked in. I think Hyde's going to get his fair share, and Darwin Thompson and maybe James Williams if he makes the team as well. Uh, so I, I do think that you know there, there's going to be more of a committee than people who are drafting Damian Williams in that like second, you know, late second round of, of redraft leagues. I think that's more of a. I mean, I'm more concerned about than they are, but I do understand that with fading Williams, I am risking the possibility of him just being an RB1 and one of the best offenses in the NFL. Didn't, uh, didn't the Chiefs cut James Williams? I think they time? brought him back. I think they brought Did him they back. Did they bring him back? Okay. Yeah. He's, he went, he, he's still on NFL as KC. So I thought that he went, from, went to free agent and back to KC. I could be wrong there, but I think they might have brought him back. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at gapfactory.com. All right. Let's move to the Patriots uh, wide receivers. Uh, Jacoby Myers has been the talk of training camp. Josh Gordon has uh, um, applied for reinstatement. And Akil Harry, I, he's been some blurbs saying he's in the offense, he's struggling on the field. And then there's been start that the focus of some good blurbs as well where he's been like, oh, he's catching everything. It's part of the course with, you know, any sort of first-round player. You just get the good and get the bad back. They'll check. You just stop that conference. So, uh, what are you taking away from the Jacoby Myers hype? Josh, we say the possibility. What do you think, Dan? You know, really leading into the Myers hype, you might I think whoever's going to be acting on the field or anyone is going to be going to be producing. Whether it's Myers in there now because the only other person there is Edelman or Nikhil Harry, uh, obviously he's going to get looks and be able to produce because you have arguably the best quarterback of all time throwing the ball in on the Belichick team in that offense. So. It, it, you know, I don't. I'm not looking into that one all that much. Uh, I think the more interesting thing here, especially in a short-term view, is how many targets Julian Edelman's about to have. I mean, they're they're going to feed him early and often because that's Brady's guy. And 
if they happen to get Josh Gordon back, if he does get reinstated, I think he's in for some legitimate wide receiver too. Output. I think Edelman's kind of in that same frame. Um, even with the larger target share, I feel like Edelman probably still kind of stick around that lower one, high-end wide receiver two look. And honestly, if Gordon getting reinstated, it's really going to be better for Nikhil Harry because he's not going to force him into that wide receiver long right uh, He could kind of stay behind his guys and get a season under his belt. I mean, even if a half season or something, they really start to feed him target. He kind of gets the speed of the game and everything's still a little bit better for him because Camp's going how it should go for most rookies. You're gonna have ups and downs. You're not gonna be perfect. That's why you're a rookie. If he was, if he was super polished and he was doing everything right, Leo Jones, well, he's probably going a hell of a lot in draft. If that's what people were seeing, expect so I feel like he's the only rookie should perform in a camp. He's doing some things well, some things just kind of whatever, maybe a little mediocre. But uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with Josh Gordon. I, I feel like the other ones I didn't ever think like he was gonna be back or be, you know, playing whatever. This one kind of has the feeling that. He's going to get reinstated and play, but now he's, what, like 37 years removed from catching a football? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on the boat. I am more interested in the Gordon outcome than I am necessarily the rookies for this year, at least. I just think that with what else they have on the team right now, you know, with Dorsett and with Demaryius Thomas and, you know, these other veteran options, I just don't think they're probably going to have a ton of patience for the rookies come – the actual season. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm with Dan as far as like, it's, you know, it's the off season ups and downs with rookies always happen. I just don't see them leaning super heavy on, on either one when the season starts with the exception of possibly injuries or, or maybe someone makes a surge in the latter part of the season. I mean, you're not really drafting these guys to necessarily have a huge impact in year one. I don't expect it. And with, with Gordon, yeah, I agree. I think he would slot in, opposite Julian Edelman, the way he did in those, I think it was 10 or 11 games last year, and probably be a, a good kind of fringe, you know, wide receiver two, more likely a, a wide receiver option for fantasy. Yeah, pretty much board. I think that Gordon's really the only one that might be fantasy relevant. I think that, that Harry might end up, you know, serving as like a wide receiver three towards the season in fantasy. But, you know, I think that his role is more towards – you know, the future. There was the Tom Brady pseudo extension, which there was some language that might actually end up not being an extension. But is the extension good news for uh, Harry? Yeah. Well, the extension is good news for everybody because as long as you can keep Tom Brady out there, it's, it's the best for the team, it's the best for the offense. Maybe the arm's slowing down a little bit, but Tom doesn't really seem to be slowing down very much. So uh, I think I think having him around for, especially for Nikhil, is huge because, I mean, what, what more could you ask to have someone enter the NFL than to learn from Tom Brady and to catch passes from Tom Brady. So as far as like a valuation standpoint, I think, I think it's now is actually a good time to buy Harry because of all of the negativity that is surrounding him. I'm seeing people sending offers of like mid to late 2021st. And that just seems like, that seems like me. Yeah, that's definitely a move I would make. A move that the Cardinals made was they signed Michael Crutchery, um, just a one year deal uh, at right before we started recording. Uh, so, George, is the Michael Crabtree signing uh, more of an indictment to Keen Butler or Kevin White, or is it just adding a body in, in the game? I mean, I'm excited that they got another, I believe, top 10 drafted wide receiver on that roster with, with Fitzgerald and Kevin White and now Crabtree. So that's super exciting. Just have a rookie quarterback, so I think they're trying to play it safe and get the most reliable weapons they can out there for him. It's ultimately that's the development that they're more worried about in offense than Isabella and and Butler and Keyshawn Johnson, who supposedly having like the best offseason ever. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of 
I'm okay with it. I think if it hurts anyone or someone, it's probably Kevin White, I think, my guess, especially because, you know, investing in three rookies and really playing special teams in the NFL, I just don't see how he sticks on that roster at this point. Yeah, Crabtree is kind of a weird one. It just feels like it just kind of feels like adding another body. I'm not sure he's still going at the pace he was going a couple years ago. Obviously, having uh, the offense he was in last year doesn't do a whole lot for your confidence. Lamar Jackson wasn't exactly the greatest of passers, but they didn't, they didn't have him be you know a passer really. He was a de facto running back. Um, and the games with Blacko were, you know, they were whatever. They were mediocre. Um, so I think Crabs can he's going to make a team, and and I think he'll be there. But I don't think he's going to be a big fantasy producer. All right, let's move on to our last topic before we get to our game, and that is the Broncos running backs. George mentioned Theo Riddick signing with the Denver Broncos after being released by the Detroit Lions. So that that backfield is now Theo Riddick, Phil Lindsay, Royce Freeman. Uh, my my take on, on this backfield is that Theo Riddick a mess. You know, it was more of a competition between Lindsay and Freeman, but if we adding Riddick to the mix basically means that it's not going to matter. I think that they're going to be the winner of that competition is going to be like an low-end RB2, high-end RB3. I just think that the upside is very limited in offense where Theoretic, he's a good receiving running back where he's going to you know, get 40 catches in a season. So, you know, outside of him possibly not making the team, I think this is very bad news for the upside of Lindsey and Freeman. Uh, you shut that George. Yeah, I, I think it caps kind of a part of Lindsey's game that he's superior at compared to Lindsey's game. It's definitely hurt. No, he can't practice a week ago. So the hope is that, you know, he's healthy and, and maybe this kind of suggests a little bit of other vibes. They're kind of, you know, hedging their bets against Lindsey's uh, wrist. 100% now for the season. I Yeah, it's not great. I think it probably ends up yeah, hurting Lindsay definitely more than Freeman. And I think we're going to see, like you said, two guys that look like they probably could have both had some fantasy relevance now kind of being a little more on the fringe and being marginalized by one another. And then subsequently, Riddick won't be able to start either. So we're probably just going to have a situation where no one is worth starting on a weekly basis. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with the the Riddick signing is almost a hedge on Lindsay just to kind of protect. Obviously, he's he's a smaller guy, he's a little little running back, and maybe they're just looking at it as an insurance policy. So, I, I feel like you're, we're going to get production out of this backfield, just like we did last year, and I think it's definitely going to be two guys, but they they're probably going to do their best if if they really want Riddick to be involved, they're going to get him involved. They might even do as much as splitting him out as a receiver and not even having him in the backfield because obviously that's where he excels. He's not he's not your between the tackles banger. He's he's a, a, a glorified wide receiver. So I think they'll get him involved, but he's going to be involved in that portion of it, I think, more than anything. So I still think we can see Lindsey and Freeman coexist a little bit, but it definitely puts a cap on the overall, you know, ceiling on, on what both of these guys can do. So I think it may end up being just a, a battle between Freeman and Lindsay to see who's getting the, the lead touches. And then the other guy just kind of becomes the, the change of pace and Riddick's used more in just kind of passing down situations and, and stuff like that. I, I just, it's going to be kind of a headache. I think we all can kind of agree there that no one's really going to pull away from this group because I think we saw Freeman do just enough last year where we can be at least a little bit excited. Obviously, Lindsey was was incredible, especially as an undrafted guy, but it almost seemed inevitable that it was going to be short-lived because of his size, whereas Royce Freeman, on the other hand, is just an absolute monster, um, like 6'1", 240, something, give or take. As He's a big guy. He's got like 80 pounds on Philip Lindsey, so <laughs> it's – it's um it's an interesting one for sure. I, I do think we're gonna get some sort of output here. I just really hope it's not an, an actual three headed monster. 
Alrighty, uh, they're not a three-headed monster, but they're still pretty good. Our friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and they've now grown to be the world's largest dynasty commissioner service. With leagues as high as $5,000 to enter, FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new dynasty startup leagues are forming right now, starting $77 and up in standard Superflex and best ball formats. For those of you ready for the greatest challenge yet, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. What is a main event exactly? It's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football, and this year it's coming at you with a half a million dollar grand prize and over $3.1 million in total prizes. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino. Or draft online from the comfort of your home. Main event drafts start August 23rd and run through the start of the season. Alrighty, now it's time to get into a game of Dynasty Shark Tank. This is way basically another way of doing some public trade negotiations. Now these are fake players, fake teams that we're you know conjuring up for the sake of uh, you know negotiation. But this should be fun. Now entering the tank is a wide receiver who catches from the greatest quarterback to ever live. Is it Allen Robinson? <laughs> <laughs> so I have on the block one of the top five receivers in the NFL. He finished top three last year in wide receiver scoring. He is in his prime. I believe he's not yet 27. He plays with a pretty good quarterback. I don't want to say great, but he's pretty good. He's the – very certain number one receiver. He has no competition for targets there. And he's pretty much been healthy his entire career. So what are you going to give me for Devontae Adams? Is there something that you're looking for for this, for this uh, company? Yeah, well, you know, I would take another top five wide receiver straight up potentially. <laughs> But I would also be interested in like a lower end running back one, maybe paired with a young wide receiver or a 2020 first round pick, something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking for, for either a straight up deal for another stud, but more likely I think I'm looking for a bit of a package here, a couple of, of, of good assets. All right. I'll, I'll let you hop in on the action first, Dan. Uh, do you want to make an offer for this uh, okay company? Well, George, first of all, let me uh, say thank you for being here and then uh, providing your product for us to take a look at and maybe make an offer on, see if we can make a deal. So I, too, am a big fan. I, I believe a lot in the meteoric rise of Devontae Adams after his slow start. So I'm very aware of your product. And his last few years have been all but dynamic, especially last season with the 170 targets. It's hard to beat that. And Nothing's really been changed in that offense. George, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to make you an offer. And I think I'm going to hit, uh, hit most of your needs or your requests. So in exchange for your, uh, your business, Devontae Adams, I'm going to send you Carrion Johnson and Robert Woods. It's interesting. Okay. What do you have, Nathan? All right. I, I have a similar, similar offer, but I think it handles a little bit of a different package. And you can decide which of us you think is a, more attractive. Uh, my offer is Cincinnati Bengals' Joe Mixon and Andy Isabella. Well, first off, you had a $30 haircut, so we know who's more attractive. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's see. Dan, can you sweeten that deal a little more? Uh, I'd happily throw in a 2021 second, if that helps. 
20, 21 seconds. Okay. What does that do for you, Nathan? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll make it a 20, 20 second. He one up you there, Dan. Do you feel confident that you have the better deal here? I, I, I don't, honestly. But, I, <laughs> but I, I think that it was harder to beat Dan's offer because he offered a very good wide receiver in Robert Woods. I agree. And, and I will say I, I am happy to accept the carry-on Johnson, Robert Woods in 2021 second in this scenario. I'm, I'm happy we can do business together. Absolutely. And, I, and, and admittedly, I'm probably higher on Robert Woods than just about anyone else. Now entering the Shark Tank, the sexiest tight end on the block. Hello, Sharks. I am coming to you today with a tight end who broke onto the scene in year two of his NFL career, put up historic numbers from a catch perspective, all while uh, being thrown to by something called a Nick Mullins, George Kittle. He had record-setting numbers in 2018, and he comes into 2019. Many call him the tight end one overall. People who don't call him like the tight end two. So it's a very, very good young asset I have today. I, I have a little of a surplus at the tight end position, so I can afford to you know, let go of George Kittle. And for doing that, I would like a young wide receiver two or a first-round pick in 2020 along with a RB2 or wide receiver three. Well, um, let you know what, George. I'll I'll, I'll start. First of all, all right. um, Nathan, uh, I, I will say I'm I'm very happy to see you here. I'm proud of you for for doing what you've done. Um, however, I, I don't know if you know this about me. If you read the tabloids or or keep up with Forbes, but uh, I actually had a petition out to ban all tight ends, and I've gotten you know like right around a half a million signatures on this online. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, because of my feeling towards the topic, uh, I'm going to go ahead and have to say that I'm out. Oh, wow. The pressure's on me now. Just one shark left. Oof. That's tough, man, when your product doesn't even see the light of day. <laughs> All right, let's see. I will do – you mentioned a, a wide receiver two, correct? A young one, yes. That's a, young, a young one, yeah, to be clear, a young one. Uh, along with a 2021st or help me fill in what was the other part? No, 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 no. So I, I either want a young wide receiver two or I want a first round pick along with a RB2 or wide receiver three. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay, okay. I hear you. Okay, first off, let me just say George Kittle would basically be my name if my parents weren't immigrating here from another country. That that is that That would be my American name. So – Let's see. I will offer you Mike Williams along with a late 2021st. Before you make a decision here, I'm going to come back in. Oh, jeez. Just, like just for the time being, I've got one question, and this will determine the outcome here. Mm -hmm. Is this a premium tight end market? This, this is not a pre This is a normal tight end market, a.k.a. the doo-doo of tight end market. And for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> All right. you, you, can be out, you can be out and not want, you know, the production that George Kilda has. 88 catches, 1,377 yards. That's why, I don't know, I, I, I like Mike Williams, and 2021st are, you know, worth their weight in gold. George, I, I'm afraid that unless I can get a little bit of a cherry on top, I'm going to have to walk away from this deal. 
Okay. Okay. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I, I catch your vibe here. How about I add into that deal a, a running back, but it'll have to be a little lesser running back, but it'll be a younger running back. So how about I add in, I'm not going to say Dante Foreman. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would throw you out of this tank right now. <laughs> how about I say Justice Hill? Okay. We can make that work. Justice Hill is a high upside guy in a run heavy offense. And I'm, I, I'm, I would like to, to deal George Kittle. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to take Justice Hill, a 2021st, and Mike Williams. And hopefully Mike Williams ends up getting more targets than Keenan Allen at some point. <laughs> Blasphemy. Now entering the tank is a guy who sat out the 2018 season just to sign and get some green, both in his uniform and his bank account. And in his lungs, if we're being honest. <laughs> Uh, hi sharks. Uh, thank thank you for for having me. I'm a little bit nervous. I apologize for that. This is a this is a big step. We made it. We thought after last year it was going to be over. We thought uh, we had another Ricky Williams on our hands. So, well, folks, uh, let me start off by saying that my uh, my product has been proven uh, year in and year out. Yes, we we did have to take a step back and in uh, the previous season and, and just kind of really look ourselves in, in the, in the mirror and, and figure some things out, but we're back and we're rejuvenated. We're on a young, happy, healthy team with a young up and coming quarterback, fresh eyes from the coaching perspective, maybe not fresh. They're kind of all over the place, but we've got a rejuvenated offensive line and it just keeps getting better. So, my product, my business, my Le'Veon Bell, coming off of a 2017 season, yes, not 2018, 2017, with 1,300 yards, double-digit touchdowns, plus he caught 85 passes that season. You can't really argue with that. We have no plans in slowing down in New York, and we're really going to keep chugging along. So what I am in search of today in exchange for 100% of my company is either a low end wide receiver one or two future first round picks and a wide receiver four. Well, you are, you're wanting a lot for a guy who hasn't played football since my aunt Mary was in college. So maybe I'm bell. He's a bit of a risk here. So I'm going to offer you Calvin Ridley and a first-round pick. Okay. All right. Um, any other Sharks uh, have any interest in maybe making an offer? Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. So, I mean, first off, Le'Veon Bell hasn't caught a pass since Nathan was in grade school. So this is a little, little tough for me. But and, – and I don't know about that price tag. It seems, like, uh, it seems like you're a little overconfident in your product, you know, translating across state lines. And uh, in that industry, I don't know if that's going to be a good thing. Uh, so what I will do is I will offer you Cooper Cup and a first-round pick. You know, Sharks, this is a massive opportunity to get in on uh, – it's not really the ground level. Um, it's more like the fifth floor. We're on our way to the penthouse. And uh, unfortunately, I, I just – I can't see myself selling 
that short. And if either of you have any interest in coming up to, I don't know, maybe maybe like a Brandon Cooks level, I, I feel like we could probably do some sort of some sort of dance. Uh, but I, I think unless we can get there, I, I may have to just uh, head on back to the office and, and get back to work. I don't have a Brandon Cooks, but I do have an Adam Thielen and a 2022nd. Very interesting. Shark Nathan, do you have any sort of rebuttal or? Uh... My, my rebuttal is this shark is he's sharking around because Adam Thielen in a second isn't better than Cooper Cup in a first. So I don't know why he would make his offer any worse. You don't want my Calvin Ridley in a first. Uh, it's understandable. He is uh, older than, than my aunt, Mary, who was in college a long time ago. But, but uh, I, I do have an alternative for you. I am going to offer you for Le'Veon Bell. I'm going to offer a first, a second, and Will Fuller. You know, I think I'm actually going to have to um, uh, make a deal here. And, George, uh, I, think, I think I can shake your hand happily on this one. Because oh, come on! <laughs> beyond Cooper Cup. And the second and the first are both just, you know, I'm not too worried about that. But give me some Adam Thielen in my life. There we go. Nathan, um, you gotta know your audience, man. Yeah, that's just a bunch of bunch of malarkey here in the Shark Tank today. He's Adam Thielen. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I did forget there was a friend bias going on with with Dan Sanyo. Alrighty, that'll wrap up this edition of the Dynasty Shark Tank. It was fun getting back in the tank, George. Uh, where can we find your work these days? Yeah, I'm writing over at uh, Four for Four right now. So that's uh, oh, I, I love Wendy's. Yeah. That's it's exciting. Yeah, I, I thought you know, get rid of the diet, try something new, and they have a great social media account. So I was all for it. Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm working over with the best fantasy rankings in the game at four for four. So uh, it's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, leave a rating or review, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Kadoosh. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is a toxic poison that can rewire teens' brains. Two, it can increase mood swings. Three, it can limit attention and learning. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.